Welcome, welcome to Compassion Christian Downtown. I am Grant, I am your pastor here. Um, so excited to have you here. Man, it's such a powerful uh, story from the floods, but there's so many things happening in our community, in our area, from people who just, who love Jesus and love Savannah. So I'm so excited tonight, or this morning, sorry, I'm still waking up, this morning to talk just about what it means to serve. What does it mean to be like Christ? See, I'm just going to go straight to the bottom line because I want us to understand and reshape how we think about serving each other. And the reality is this. A lot of people talk about Christianity and the way that we think about it is that we have to do something or by doing something we gain Jesus that we get more favor with God by doing something. But what I want you to understand straight from the beginning is this, that we fall and we serve and we love Jesus because of what he did. You see, we serve Jesus not to gain Jesus. The whole point of the reason or why we serve is not for any other reason except for because of what Christ has already, what Christ has already done. You see, we are defined, who we are defines how we serve. And God wants us to love his people. God wants us to love his children. I'll give you a, a simple example from my life. Last week, uh, I showed up to um, Compassion Christian Downtown, which used to be at the Lucas Theater. And um, I was walking up with my wife and my two-year-old son, uh, James. And James was just be bopping around like he always does, and he was walking up, and, and Tennille, one of the children's volunteers, walks up to James, and she says, hey, James, how are you? Uh, I'm so excited to see you later. I'm so glad you're here. Now, James is two years old, um, and I, I, he's happy to see a bug. It doesn't matter that, you know, Tennille kind of spoke to him, but he enjoyed it. You know, this is, this is James and a kangaroo, um, and, but the reality is this. I felt love. I felt cared for because she cared for my child. And it's the same with anyone in this room, believer or non-believer. That if you love my children, you love me. Now, if you take care of me and you do something for me, like, great, that's awesome. I appreciate it. But if you really want to get to my heart, if you really want to understand how you can care for me uh, as a person, as a, as a pastor, you need to love my children and my wife and my family. And that's the character and nature of God that we're looking at. God cares about his children, us, you. And if you want to show God love, if you want to care for God, you need to love his children. And that's what we're going to be looking at. We're going to be looking at what does it actually mean to love and to care for each other. I'm not asking you in this service, and I want to get this on the table before we start. I'm not asking you to sign up to do something. I'm not asking you to sign up to be a greeter or, or in children's I'm not asking you to do any of those things. What I want to do is reshape how we think about people, how we think about serving each other. You see, the question is, why, why even do this? The question I have for you is the same question I ask myself. Why serve or volunteer or help? or care about people. This isn't a Christian question. This isn't a church question. Why do we help people? Why do you even care about people? Red Cross, UNICEF, PETA, anything. Think about it. Those aren't Christian organizations, but we, as image bearers of the one true God, 
we innately care about people. People adopt children. Not all of them are Christians. Not all doctors are Christians. Not all nurses are Christians. People care about people innately, but why? And why do we care about people, or why should we care about people? Because the reality is this. We know we're supposed to love people. We know we're supposed to care about them. We know that. We know that we're supposed to innately love people. But, but the struggle is this. There's so many myths or, or just realities in our hearts and our minds about how we, we care about people. See, no one wants to see injustices in this world. No one likes to see things going wrong. No one likes to see problems in this world. This, I'm going to show you a picture, and it's going to come across as graphic. And I, Please, that's not the intention. The intention is this. It's been viral for the last couple of days, and I'm showing it because I want you to understand that so many times we think that we need to disregard it or, or to look away, or it's not my issue. We see pictures like this of children struggling and hurting in war-torn countries, but that's over there. And we're here. And that doesn't matter. That's somebody else's problem. That's somebody else's issue. And so many times in our lives, we just ignore things because either this is true. Either we feel like we can do nothing. Or after years and years of trying to do something, nothing changes. And we either feel cynical, jaded, or helpless when it comes to engaging the suffering of this world. Because that's what compassion is. Our name is Compassion Christian Downtown. And the point of who we are is to suffer with each other, but also to suffer with the rest of this world, which includes Savannah, which includes Chippewa Square, which includes Parkers, and you name it. So what does it mean to suffer? What does it mean to serve? Others of you say, well, no one's helped me. You don't know the pain that I've gone through. You don't know the issues that I've had in my life. Why are you telling me to engage someone else when no one has engaged me? Now, the majority of us, including myself, it probably falls into the fourth category. You just don't have time. It takes time to suffer with people. It takes time to engage somebody in your life if it's as simple as helping them with their groceries or changing a tire. Not to mention to hear and listen to somebody's brokenness. The problem is it takes time, and that's the most valuable resource that we have in this world is time. And we're very careful with what we use our time for. I, like many of you, struggle with that. I just don't have time. I don't have time to see people. I see people as projects and, 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 and different things. And it reminds me of just kind of my, my time in, in, in Haiti. I lived in Haiti uh, for three years from 2009 to 2012, before, during, and after um, everything you've ever read on the news about Haiti. Um, and it's a temptation, not, if not to say a, a complete, full-on struggle not to dismiss people or see them as projects because of just the just innate suffering in that country. It's the, it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. 
People are hungry. People are starving. People are struggling. And day after day, week after week, hour after hour, people would come to my wife and I or to other missionaries asking for help. And after a while, it's hard to soften your heart to that reality. For a lot of us, we have that same idea of, you know, <laughs> that cliche. You know, don't judge a book by its cover, but man, I've read that book before. They're just going to use that for X. They're just going to spend that money on this. Man, they really don't need it. Man, I, if they knew my struggle, I, I need that more than they do. And so many times we not just begin to judge a book by its cover, we begin to project the same book we've been reading over and over on other people. Another example I want to give you is this. Our church, and this is a kind of a FYI, but also just part of this sermon, is we have this thing called POC. It's called Pastor on Call. If you call the church in crisis... 365 days, 24-7, there will be a pastor from Compassion Christian Church who will answer that call. And they will engage you in whatever crisis you're in. It's one of the blessings of our church. And some of the things that we deal with are, are, are anything from huge traumas to simple people just need some gas. You know, and, and I've been doing this for three years now, and, you know, people come for gas, people come for gas, people come for gas. All different shapes, sizes, so, socioeconomics, everything. And one time, somebody came up to get gas in a brand new Jaguar. <laughs> and, and you laugh because you know where my heart is turning right now as well. They don't need gas. I don't buy that premium stuff. You know, like, 87 is what I can afford. Like, and our hearts begin to turn. And before I even met this person, my story was already written about her. But then when you listen and hear her heart about how her husband left and this is the only thing she has and she can't make payments on it and she's trying to sell it. And there's nothing left for her. Holy Spirit, conscience, whatever you decide begins to kick in and says, not again. Not again. I've, I've done what my heart always turns to do, which is to protect myself and not to see people, but rather I see projects. And so many times in our hearts, we, we project our story instead of listening to theirs. You see, everyone has a story. The problem is we have trouble listening. If we decided to listen to more stories we would learn how to serve a lot better than we do now. So many times we project our story onto others. And so what I want us to do this morning, what I want us to understand is we need to reshape. Hear me on this. I'm not asking you to go do something. But we need to reshape how we think and engage people. How we serve and love others. And the only way that I know and understand how to do this the only way I know how to correct the scoliosis of my soul, the bentness of my soul, the crookedness of my soul, is with Jesus. And so where I see that is to, let's look at Jesus. Jesus says in Matthew 20, 28, he says, Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, always... Always, and when I mean always, I mean 
always the best person to look at is the God-man, Jesus Christ. If it's the Good Samaritan story, where three people are, a man's beaten, broken on, on, on a road, and two people, the religious people walk by, and someone you never expected stops and helps this man. Or is it Jesus humbling himself and, and washing his disciples' feet, even the one who was to betray him? Or finally, the, the climax is where the God-man Jesus Christ dies on the cross. The ultimate example of sacrifice and loving others. Whatever it is, whatever we need to use to correct that, that bentness in our soul, we need to use this because this is the straight. The straightener. Jesus Christ. I want us to look at Galatians 5, 13-15. I'm so glad that the, the, the video talked about Galatians 5, 6, you know, just work, faith just expressing itself in love and we get to read further on of what Paul is talking about. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And likewise, or equally as important as love your neighbor as yourself. And we get to see that continuation through what Paul is writing. And he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. I believe that there's three just specific parts that we can look at when we look at this scripture. And the very first part that we can look at is what does it mean to be free? We touched on it briefly last week, but I spoke to you about freedom when it comes to preaching and teaching the gospel with the aim to persuade. You're free from rejection, you're free from outcomes because you don't save anyone, Jesus does. And I want to continue that line of thought to understand what does it mean for us as believers in Christ. And if you're not a believer in Christ, I want to share with you what it means to be free. Because we read it again, we can say, for you were called to freedom, brothers. But there's a, there's a negative to it. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but to love and to serve one another. So when Jesus calls us to be free, when Paul writes about this, you see that this was written to a first century Jewish and Greek audience. And so when they're talking about this law and this freedom is that every single person in the Old Testament, until the point where Jesus Christ died on the cross, had to somehow, in some way, earn grace. And when we think about law, think of Levitical law, think of these list of rules, you know, i got to get this sheep for this, I've got to get these does and doves for this, I've got to kill it this way, don't boil this and that, I've got to follow these list of rules, but God still lavished his grace upon grace because they never got it perfect. There was never a lamb that was fully perfect in the Old Testament. It was just a sign to show you cannot do it until Jesus ultimately came and made the full sacrifice as the perfect lamb. But you see them trying to earn it. You see them trying to earn their reality. They're trying to, to, to serve others and to elevate themselves. But Paul's writing, he says, no, hey, you're free. But the problem when you hear that you're free, you think that you can do whatever you want. And what we see is him fighting against that heart, innate, just 
visceral reaction to say, I don't have to do that. I don't have to serve others. I don't have to care about anyone. I don't have to pray. I don't have to do any of these things because, you know, Jesus Christ died for me and I'm free because of Jesus. Jesus made me free. He loves me no matter what I do. You're correct. Jesus does love you. Jesus did die for you and you don't have to do anything to gain him because you can't. You can't gain Jesus by doing anything. But on the flip side, because of Jesus, now you got to go do stuff. It's this weird paradox that we're free in Christ and there's no fear of rejection. There's no fear that I didn't do it right or I didn't say the right thing or I didn't serve the right person or, man, I gave them money. I don't know what they're going to do with it. Oh, man, uh, what am I going to do? It's my fault that they're addicted to this or it's my fault I didn't help that person because I'm such a bad person and I walk by, whatever. Whatever is just rattling in your brain right now, you're free. Relax. Jesus has set you free. But in your freedom, don't indulge in the flesh. And he's specifically talking about sin. But he's also talking about just that innate, selfish desire we have to say, it's my time. (laughs) It's my gifts. It's my abilities. I don't want to engage with this said person or reality because it's mine. You're free to do that. But I'm encouraging in your freedom to follow Jesus and in his example. Hear me on this. There's nothing you can do to gain Jesus by serving. But I will tell you this. When you serve others, you meet Jesus there. The second reality is this. What does it mean to serve in love? Because we see that in the second verse, for the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, he addresses this earlier, but who's my neighbor? And to give you a simple example, everyone. Everyone's your neighbor. He's not physically talking about your next door neighbor, which he is. He's not talking about the person next to you or whoever's sitting next to you if you don't know them or even if you do know them. The neighbor is this idea of everyone. Who is your neighbor? Everyone is your neighbor. It's a simple way to look at it, but it says, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. How do you love your neighbor? Because this is a struggle that we have as people in general. At least me. I'm just going to speak for myself. One of the struggles, if I'm going to be honest with you, is I have a struggle of elevating myself above others when I serve them. I struggle with this idea that I am better than you based on your situation, socioeconomically, emotionally, whatever. My marriage isn't as bad as yours. I'm not as needy as you are. I'm not as broken as you are. And we have this tendency, believers, non-believers, anyone, to begin to elevate ourselves, which leads to racism, which leads to looking down on people because of their socioeconomical class or education or whatever it is. When we serve other people, we have a tendency in our flesh, to elevate ourselves above others. And maybe it's only me. (laughs) But we tend to give into our selfish desires. And what is this? I'm going to drive this one a little bit further home. 
you know, a simple way of elevating yourself somewhere over someone else, that you say your time is more important than they are. That you don't have time to see people is a simple way of you elevating yourself above them because what you tell them is that your time is more important than they are. So many times we walk by the person that God wants us to meet to get to the place that we think he wants us to go. That's my heart. And by God's grace, he's shaping it and transforming it and teaching me how to serve others. Like I said earlier, I don't want you to sign up to do stuff. I want us to reshape how we even think and see other people. The third aspect of this is we see, uh, but you bite and devour one another. Watch out that you're not consumed by one another. The whole text culminates kind of in this, this weird, like, fighting with each other over loving people. But it more so just kind of argumentative. How do we love each other? How do we serve each other? How do we do these things? So the third question I have is, what now? Because all I've explained, all I've done, really, if we want to look at the heart of the message, all I've told you is you need to love your neighbor as yourself. You knew that before you came in this room. Maybe you know it more clearly now. But all I did was just reiterate something that you already knew and understood. So what now? The reality is this. I don't need you to volunteer for anything. What I need, I need someone who's saying, I feel called to disciple my two-year-old son over in children's ministry. So that when he grows up and he's a high schooler and he walks into high schooler, he knows his identity is in Jesus rather than this world. I don't need people to hand out bulletins at the door or make coffee. I need people that are looking and willing to see people who are emotionally, physically broken and hit and who've been punched in the gut by this world. And to see them and to engage them and to love them. I don't need people to hang out with college kids. I need people that are willing to disciple college kids and say, hey, here is the next step as the future generation of the church. Here's how you advance Christ and his kingdom here in Savannah and on your school campuses. I don't need people to help us do things. I need people to be Jesus in Savannah. There's opportunities to serve everywhere, but I don't want us to feel obligated or it's our duty to serve, but rather because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, you feel honored and encouraged to serve where he's gifted you. Every single person in this room has a gift. And if you don't believe that, please come speak with me after and I would love to tell you what your gift is. It can be simple as prayer. It could be elaborate as just making graphic. It could be whatever. Whatever God has gifted you with, he wants to use to glorify himself. So many times we selfishly indulge the flesh and we hide and we hold on to our gifts. And we don't even recognize them. 
as something that's been given or bestowed by the one who created us. And by doing so, we forget to look at people as people and we see people as projects. And we begin to elevate ourselves. See, the greatest commandment is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. You're not a project. Don't treat others like they are. Don't treat opportunities to advance the gospel in this church, to tell little children and babies about Jesus because, you know what, well, they don't understand. Yes, they do. My three-month-old knows, and I can explain to him, that God loves him, that the character of God is that he loves him. How do you do that? Because I love him. And you can do that as well. And I'm not saying that everyone needs to go and sign up for, for children's ministry. I'm saying you need to go and do what you're called to do. Now reshape your mind and don't think that it's based on, man, I've got to do this to gain Jesus. Rather, when you go and you serve his children, you meet Jesus there. Spurgeon says it this way. If we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. We work for him because he works in us. What I'm asking us and what I'm teaching us to do is I'm asking you to allow the king of kings to work in you so that you can go and be him. The reason that we do this is because God wants us to love his people. We don't serve because we need help with the band. We don't serve because the paper has to get out. The coffee has to be made. The children need somebody to watch over them. We serve because the way to God's heart is to love his people. And what I want us to be as Compassion Christian downtown is a place that loves God's people. Because we understand that Jesus first loves us. And I'll say it again and for the final time. When you serve others, you meet Jesus there. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come and just to, to sit in a beautiful theater that's been here long before Compassion Christian Downtown, long before. But people have prayed, people have pursued, people have waited for an opportunity like this for people to come and to gather and have a divine appointment with God and his people. Lord, we pray that this moment creates a movement of compassion in our city. Lord, that it's not going to be perfect, that it's not going to be that we don't walk past people that we should stop and talk to, that we don't engage people the way we should, that we don't elevate ourselves, Lord, because it's going to happen. But Lord, my prayer for us, for our community, is that we start to see people again. Help us be who you've called us to be. Help us to be compassion Christian. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name.